Thank you for downloading this episode of Software Gone Wild, a podcast focused on everything software defined. To get more episodes and explore other SDN and network automation resources, visit sdn.ipspace.net. Welcome to high-level intent-based software gone wild. The last time we discussed how the group led by Laurent van Bever from ETH Zurich was able to generate router configurations or, well, insert missing bits and pieces into router configurations based on your high-level intent. Today, we'll go one step further. They also created something called Net2Text. And on the web page, it says that Net2Text assists network operators in reasoning about their network-wide forwarding state by directly answering to questions expressed in natural language. I mean, every startup would be proud of this intro. And then it says Net2Text automatically parses the operator's query expressed in a natural language fragment and produces a concise summary, which to me sounds like a Siri for networking engineer. Obviously, we wanted to know more, and Chris Young and myself sat down with Laurent Bambiver. Hi, Laurent. Hey, Ivan. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you. Everything okay in Zurich? Everything okay. It's sunny here, so yes. Me jealous. It's about to start raining over here. And Chris, how are you doing? Everything is great. It's a time of day where it's sunny here. We've seen snow, rain, and sun all in the same days the last week, so just looking forward to spring. Yeah, supposedly it's coming. It started a few days ago, but yeah, eventually it will come. So now everyone knows when we are recording this and they will realize how long it takes us to deliver it. But let's move on. <laughs> Laurent, so I read this highly promising high-level intro. Yeah. How much of that is real and what's really going on behind the scenes? Yes. Well... We did not lie, so uh, what we are saying here is real. But of course, there are gotchas. But let me perhaps explain a little bit more the context uh, of the project first, and then we can dive into the details about what exactly is there and, uh, and how is it working. We got inspired by a lot of work that uh, has been going on in well, the machine learning community and, and computer vision in particular about image captioning. This is perhaps something that you folks have seen uh, previously like algorithms that can take a, an image, let's say, of a dog over, let's say, a piece of grass, which is playing, and can actually describe this with a, a nice sentence. This is a picture of a dog playing on the grass, for instance, with like some people next to it. And so that was fascinating to us to see that now algorithms can actually like reason and start to understand image. And guys thinking that if you think about it in today's network, we're kind of far from such level of understanding, at least automatically and uh, by algorithms. So the idea of this Net2Text project was a little bit, I mean, I think the description as a series for networks is actually a nice one because we were also inspired by this. So it is that you, you ask a question to the series for the network, right? Like, I don't know, how is Google traffic being handled in my network right now? And then what this system is doing is connecting itself to your network database. So uh, assuming that there is somewhere inside your network infrastructure where you're maintaining, for instance, traffic statistics, perhaps your NetFlow uh, collection, your NetFlow collector, for instance, is like being fed into like a, a database. There is, I'm assuming, some place where I can get access to such statistics. 
And what this system is doing is that translating your high-level question, like how is Google traffic being handled, into kind of a SQL query, like brushing up a little bit, but like essentially this is the insight here that we go from English to a SQL query that we apply on this database and then get a bunch of records out automatically. And then what we do essentially with these records is that we kind of like generate a summary of what these records mean. And so, for instance, just to give you like an example, what we're trying to do here, for instance, in the case of Google, we might say, okay, most of the traffic that enters into your network for Google actually enters via, let's say, San Francisco and L.A., and leaves in, let's say, New York and Washington, and it's load balanced in between, and perhaps crosses Chicago. So it's kind of like higher level information about your forwarding state that we would uh, summarize like this. And the idea is that you would get this as an answer in English, right? And you could actually say, okay, tell me more about the traffic which leaves in New York. And then we can start to tell you, for instance, that most of it comes from two adjacent links because of ACMP, for instance. Or you might actually start also asking for different type of summary, because perhaps you're not happy with the summary we generate. You might want to say, actually, I care more about the delay of the Google traffic, but you didn't say this initially, so we didn't know. And then we might start to report you information about the time it takes for the traffic entering and leaving inside your network. So the key bit besides this natural language processing interface, uh, like in and out, was really this idea of being able to summarize information. So that's like the research went, is that we have like a, possibly like a lot of records in this database for this simple question that looks innocent, right? But somehow we have to generate a very squeezed description. So it's a little bit like an analogy of seeing, let's say, a New York Times article, a very long one, and trying to summarize the blurb that you would see as a result of a Google search, like these two or three lines that describe the article. That gives you the gist of it and trying to do this automatically, but applied to the context of networks. In a nutshell, this was kind of like the genesis of the project, this idea of captioning and then applied to networking by getting a query in, getting the data out of the database, summarizing this and then translating this back to English and uh, having some interaction after with the user. What's the system and project is about? So effectively, you have three major components, recognizing the query and building SQL or whatever query language uh, query out of it, then fetching the data and then transforming the data into high-level description. Yeah, that is uh, indeed correct. And all of them come with challenges, right? Uh, So understanding the semantic of an English question or like any question expressed in a natural language doesn't have to be English, but we used English in this project. I mean, the problem is that language, of course, are ambiguous. When you think about network traffic and, and New York, for instance, the New York entity, it can mean that, I don't know, traffic is entering in New York or traffic is leaving in New York, or perhaps you mean New York as a waypoint and traffic is just transiting via New York. New York City. Exactly. New York yeah. State, yeah. the metro area. Like, what exactly is it that you mean by just like New York or even like Google, right? Google. I mean, it's easy to say the Google traffic, but of course, Google does not only advertise one BGP prefix, right? But like, I don't know, dozens or perhaps even 100. And uh, what is it? I mean, do you care about all of them? Actually, did you mean YouTube or did you really mean Google.com? And what does it mean when you are dealing with CDN? Like, this is actually hard to interpret this. So that, I mean, that's an entire field of research is how actually like, 
to interpret like language, uh, human language. And so here, what we have to do is um, we base ourselves on some essentially basic grammar that defines basic idioms of that people usually use in, in networking contexts, like uh, from, to, destination, uh, load balancing, traffic, this kind of thing, through. And relying on like also strategies, if you want to generalize a little bit, the kind of query that we can parse uh, using these idioms. I don't know, like if we see to New York, it actually means that the thing that follows the two is probably more destination or an egress, if you want, rather than an ingress. So there are like, we have ways to kind of like combine information to like get somehow the semantic of the question. By all means, it is not perfect, right? So that's something that we actually still need to work on is how to expand the amount of query that we can understand, that we can extract the semantic from. Initially, we were thinking that uh, we could get uh, a nice corpus of question, perhaps by looking at the Nanov mailing list, for instance, and try to extract information from there. But we realized it's much harder than, I don't know, getting like normal text inputs, right? So it's something that we cannot just solve by using like I don't know, machine learning directly. So we, this is why we went more for like a more principal approach using grammar. But that's the first big challenge, as you said, like is this extraction of the semantic. The conversion into SQL, once you get, or like any type of language query, once you get the semantic in, it's very, I think, easy. Running the query against the database, okay, it's an engineering challenge because you need this thing to scale and you want this to be reactive, right? So if it takes 30 seconds or one minute before you get an answer out, it will be very frustrating as a user to use. So speed is, of course, of the essence here. But that's, I think, a problem that can be solved nowadays by using modern databases, possibly distributed ones. But as I said, the biggest challenge research-wise was this problem of summarization. So like all this record that we get as a result of this query, how can we actually summarize them in a way which is more or less meaningful and is useful for humans as well, so that we can extract insights, if you want I mean, to come back to your first question, right, this intent, or high-level intent or insight, right, what is it? And so that was the hardest challenge, I would say, out of the three is probably that part. And once you get the summary or like a set of records that you want to describe in English, going back to English is actually easy-ish because you can template this. The way out is much easier than the way in in that project. Yeah, but just summarizing what you got into the variables that you could put into templates is the interesting part, right? Correct, yes. I mean, hopefully the insight we get out, right, is by this summarization stage going from low level to high level. That's where you would hope that the smartness of the analysis would get through, right? That's where indeed like the difficulty lies, but also the, the usefulness of the system lies in. So there's a few things in there. So it's fair to say that it's not like I'm just trying to find a mental model. It's not a, a full natural query language querying. You can't ask it anything. You've almost got a verbal DSL, like a domain-specific language that's syntactically and grammarly set up specifically for the queries. So the people asking the questions will have to format them somewhat in, you can't pick whatever you want, right? That's, that's I think, a given and, and a reasonable approach. Like I'm just thinking even the word trunk, what does the word trunk mean? Depends if you're Nortel or Cisco or where you came from a networking world. So that's reasonable. I'm also really interested in if we can dig in a little bit on your real time. You have to be able to respond in a reasonable amount of time. And yeah, having a distributed database is one part of that. But are you, from a data standpoint, are you really using real time or are you fetching against the database? So you've got another monitoring infrastructure built out 
that's been collecting all this data in some way, and then you're querying against that, or are you actively querying live against gear? Yeah, these are very good questions. So let me first answer the first one about the kind of DSL point that you made. So you're right that right now we do parse questions that are expressed in English, but you're right that we cannot understand any possible idioms that um, or like utterance that people might think about. That said, there are like promising techniques here that have been developed in the um, natural language uh, processing community in which from a rather restricted DSL, you can actually generate a more natural query interface from it by taking, if you want, the, um, the possible idioms into account and generating on top of that. So there is a way, but we did not do that yet because we were more interested in the summarization aspect rather than the English aspect, let's say. But there are techniques that can be applied to this problem to make it more general, uh, the, the interface. Still, it's, of course, not perfect. And uh, there, there will always be questions that we don't understand. And I think the hope is, of course, for those, and it's the same in many different projects, that you can learn from experience, right? If somehow there is a question that we don't understand, we can possibly ask a domain expert, uh, what does the question mean? And then over time, like build up a better corpus and, uh, and start to uh, refine the language and then refine the idioms that can be generated on top of that language. So that would be kind of like, should one take this really further? I would imagine that this would be a pass forward by like involving humans, right? As well in providing domain specific knowledge and then like generalizing from that. So that's, I think, for the first question. For the second question, we actually more like went for your second proposal, which means that we kind of assume that there is a system that gets the data out. So that can be like, for instance, from let's say NetFlow information or like for your network management system, whatever that is, right? There are many out there. I mean, the only thing we require really is a way to query that data that has been stored previously. But in that project per se, we did not look at the extraction of the data out of the network. But we have another project on that part. So I would be happy to talk about this as well, how we can do that in a better way than NetFlow. We assume that the database was there and was populated already and that we can run a query against it and in a more or less uh, fast way. And you're right that speed is of the essence, right? So the summarization stage, we had to optimize it a lot because it's a hard problem. Come back to the previous podcast, is an NP hard problem to actually figure out what is the best summary given a set of data. And so we basically developed like search techniques to actually search through this uh, gigantic space of all the possible summaries that would describe a piece of data and find a good one. And there are many that are possibly summarizing the state. Just to give you like an example, you could, given any forwarding state, you could say, for instance, yeah, the network, let's say, for traffic according to the shortest path. So that would be very abstract description of what is going on. Perhaps useful for you or perhaps completely useless for you. Uh, but that would be one. Another one could be completely opposite, in which you would start to let's say to describe in English exactly the content of the forwarding table. So you would have like traffic for that prefix, enters on this interface on that router, leaves on that interface on that router, enters this interface on that following router. Then you would essentially just do a kind of like trace route that you would describe in English. So there is extremely low level, right? There is no abstraction whatsoever. And so there is this problem of navigating between these two extremes of like, too, or perhaps yeah, too abstract on one end, like the network forwards, which is correct, but useless. 
And then on the other end, which is kind of like just telling you exactly the content of the forwarding table without anything else, um, without like any abstraction. So like navigating this space is really the, the hard part. And as I said, this is where we are like efficient search heuristics. These are questions we can answer very fast, like second level. But of course, we have to trade off somewhere. So we cannot guarantee we give you the best summary that exists. We give you a summary. And so the hope again is that with time, we can refine this and perhaps give you better summaries as you continue to use the system over time. Okay, so to go back to the first phase, because I was doing something like that 20 years ago. So, you know, professional deformation, call it that. Effectively, you need some parser that would recognize either some grammar or use some sort of machine learning. And if I understood correctly, at this moment, you have some pretty flexible grammar, but it's not a generic machine learning approach to whatever, right? Yeah. And then obviously, as people start using this and you get more and more questions that the system couldn't understand, then you can start optimizing the system. Yeah. And it is in other areas, not exactly in networking pretty well solved problem. At least people like Google and Apple have solved it satisfactorily. So we have something to fall back to if you, we really want to do it perfectly. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. To be fully honest, I think really the English interface, I really don't think it's the most interesting piece here, right? Because as you said, we could replace it with like, I don't know, a Google API or an Apple API there have been like tremendous progress there. And so what is really more the hard piece is what we do in between, right? Once we have the query is actually, I mean, generating the answer uh, based on that query. That's really, I think, the hard question from a networking point of view, at least. And the hope would be that we can actually tag along and, and just incorporate these NLP advances from other projects uh, in. So uh, we still wanted to close the picture, right? So to have like an end-to-end system, because I think it's an interesting exercise to do it fully. But still, I think there are like better solutions out there to get the English in and then the English out. But I think where, where really the project is useful is for the, for the middle part. But you're right that querying a network database, right? And um, it, it's very old. I don't claim any novelty there. Again, I think new is really this ability to, to summarize the reasons in a meaningful way. This, this I think, is what is novel and why do we have a paper about it, right? Otherwise, of course, the paper would never have been accepted without this, I think. Yeah, the really cool part is generating a high-level summary out of the data fetched from the database. Correct, yes, yes. And in net to text right, in, the, in the, the, the project you mentioned initially, we, we looked at, let's say, traffic statistics, like forwarding pass, let's say, net flow information, like volume information. But now we have been developing these things a little bit further. What we look at now as well is like trying to explain trend in your network database. So look at uh, not only at one snapshot of your database, but look at a window of snapshots. So how it evolved over time. Just like to give to the audience a little bit of like a back to the future type of feeling. The idea would be that you... As a network operator, you come up in the office on Monday morning and you can just ask this assistant, okay, kind of like summarize me what happened in my network over the weekend. And then the, the system would automatically extract all the snapshots that relate to the weekend 
And then to, for instance, using time series analysis, like figure out whether there have been important events and extract them out, then summarize them. And you, for instance, you could, I don't know, you could catch like traffic spikes or perhaps like outages or like traffic shift, like perhaps your neighbor had a BGP route change and, uh, and suddenly a lot of your traffic went out and perhaps came back in on a different router. And so you could say, for instance, okay, on Friday, traffic was entering, for Netflix was entering in New York. Now it enters in San Diego. And perhaps you didn't see that immediately, or at least you would have to analyze this by yourself, right? And so this idea of analyzing things through time is, I think, an interesting dimension as well to consider. But that requires more advanced techniques now, even, uh, because you need anomaly detection, right? You need to figure out what is relevant, what isn't, what is relevant shift with respect to the normal magnitude of the shift you observe, right? So that requires some, one can say machine learning, but I mean, like time series analysis is a well, well-known field, right? That people have been looking at for a while. So techniques can be leveraged from there. And also something else we look at is not only to consider like uh, traffic statistics, either like a snapshot or over time, but also looking at configuration directly and trying to generate a description of what is your configuration doing, which I think is nice as well. So the idea would, for instance, be you give me your config and then I can tell you that uh, your configuration is enforcing load balancing or is enforcing some way pointing policies, for instance, that all the traffic will go to New York unless there is such a failure that New York is completely disconnected. In that case, like traffic cannot go to New York anymore. This idea of also being able to explain a configuration, because it's very hard, right? If you imagine a network, let's say a consultant, which is withdrawn in into a new network. The only thing what well, you can essentially look at documentation of what is the network policy, which I would assume is not always up to date or like the most descriptive description. It or you can look that. at the configuration, right? And, uh, and try to figure out what is semantic from the config. And that's the part that we want to automate a little bit. Yeah, that documentation might even exist. Yeah, exactly. Or the documentation is the, <laughs> is the engineer who is, who is not there because he's on, he or she is on holiday on that day. The semantic is there in the configuration, right? It's just hidden in these kind of arcane comments. And, uh, and, but there is a higher level inside there, right? If you can read between the lines, you can actually see that this BGP configuration is actually implementing a preferred egress New York rather than going to, uh, I don't know, Washington, D.C. But somehow this requires you to analyze what is the local pref here, what is the local pref there, what is the local pref anywhere, see, okay, this one is higher, that means that you prefer going there. And then, like, look, for instance, at the OSPF configuration, realize that there is some ECMP going on. Perhaps there is some filtering that blocks some prefixes, but not the other. And so there is a lot of mental reasoning that needs to take place in order to, to extract what is the intent, really, that you wanted to do with this config. And I think this can be automated as well. The long-term idea behind this net-to-text is really like asking general questions about the config, about the traffic statistics, about the evolution over time, and then being able to explain this, hopefully in English. But, I mean, a lot of operators, they like to work with graph, right, and graphical uh, visualization. And that's also something that we can connect to our system, right? Because, I mean, what matters is the summarization, and then the summarization, we could describe it as a graph as well, and perhaps playing with the thickness, let's say, of the of the edges in, in that graph, according to, um, I don't know, the amount of traffic, for instance, which is forwarded there. So that's also something that we could develop, I think, more or less easily on top of it. 
we haven't done it yet, right? I'm more like describing like future uh, further work that could be done. That's kind of a little bit the vision, if you want here. So this all sounds like minority report. And while I can grasp how you would do the trending thing, and as you said, analyzing time series data and figuring out trends is a well-known problem that is being solved on in many places. The thing where you would be able to reverse engineer intent from router configurations is totally baffling me. So how far along are you on that dimension? We are further on in that direction than the time-based uh, direction, I would say. So uh, we have been working on that for like a couple of months now, trying to, to see how realistic this could be, this, this problem. And we are like reaching for small successes. And the idea here is a little bit to leverage, if you want, the, the progress in uh, configuration analyzer and configuration verification. Let me try to give you like an example. So what you can do nowadays with like some existing tools is that take the config that you have in your real network, give that to the tool, and then the tool will tell you what is the forwarding table produced by each router in your configuration automatically. So there, there, have, been, there are like well-known tools that do that. So with this, what you can do is get a glimpse of what is the network actually doing with this configuration. But what is the network doing depends on many things, right? Depends on what links are up or down and what external routing information you receive from your neighbor that will have an impact. So you can ask this kind of question. One configuration with that link state, meaning with that links is up or down, and this external route gives that forwarding state. So you can ask this question many, many, many times and get many, many possible forwarding state. And then out of these many, many, many possible forwarding states you get out of these tools, you can then try to learn what is the intent. For instance, you, you observe that whatever is happening, unless you are failing, I don't know, 10 links, which is highly unlikely anyway, but if you don't fail 10 links, the network is always forwarding through Chicago. So you might then infer that waypointing Chicago or load balancing, for instance, is actually part of the policy of the intent of the operator here. And you can formulate this as an assumption right now. You're not sure, but it looks like it, right? Perhaps you missed some because you didn't sample enough, let's say. And this is where you can actually use verification technique now. And uh, what is a verification tool doing is given a policy in a configuration, telling you whether the configuration enforces the policy or not. And so what I can do now is that I can give the configuration back to the verification tool and say, does that configuration really enforce waypointing Chicago? And then the verification tool might say yes, in which case, boom, I have the intent. Or it might tell me, no, actually it doesn't. Just look at this concrete use case where the traffic does not go via Chicago. Then there is essentially like a learning loop here. We try, we get some counterexample, incorporate them in the learning, try again, and then get more counterexample, etc. And that thing actually converges pretty well, I must say. So I agree with you. I think it's, it's very nice. I think it can really help the job of many people. And it seems to work pretty well. So we can do things like uh, we're pointing, load balancing, a reachability question, like can A reach B, isolation question we can do as well. So we can infer back intent for those. 
in reasonable time for like reasonably large network. By reasonable, I mean networks with more than 100 routers in. I also think this direction is, is particularly promising as a follow-up on the, on the two text. So effectively, you don't deduce the intent by reasoning about the configurations, but you are randomly trying things. And when you have a large enough learning set, you send some machine learning algorithm and tell it to figure out what this learning set is actually doing. I mean, it's a pretty grim view of, of what we are trying to do, I think. So we are not doing exactly what you said, right? But you're right that one can go completely random and not incorporate any network knowledge. So you just try a bunch of things, then you give that to an algorithm, like a machine learning algorithm, whatever. And then you ask, okay, you completely offload that anomaly detection, I would think, which is completely agnostic of what is going on and whether we are talking about networking paths or like any kind of features of any problem. That will not scale very well or at all. And so we actually do incorporate networking knowledge in how we are selecting. I mentioned this, uh, that we are doing this sampling, right? Where we ask, okay, give me the forwarding state for that environment, for this environment, for that environment. And that is not completely random. Otherwise, as I said, it would not scale. It would not work. It would take you too many samples to actually converge to anything useful. So there we incorporate like knowledge about how, how SPF is working or BGP is working. And that enables us to prune, if you want, the search space a lot, because then we can ask fewer questions and ones that enable us to divide the space better. I'm kind of caricaturing, but essentially this is what the algorithm is doing under the hood. And then we can posit some intent that looks like they are indeed like implemented. And that's what we verify in the second stage. As I said, your description is not completely off. You could go random. It would work, but probably it would take forever. If you don't put end of domain specific knowledge, I think you're doomed to fail. That's a common threat, I think, for many of these problems, right? That you still need a little bit of uh, insight in order to make it practical. One question I have is, so we're focused um, purely on, uh, when we talk about state, we're talking about forwarding state through the network. That's really the types of questions that you're focused on right now. I have that right, right? Yeah, that is true. Yeah. So in, in both cases, I'm thinking about, indeed, like describing the forwarding state or describing the property of the forwarding state that your configuration will induce. But it's true. I'm always thinking about describing a forwarding behavior. That's fine. I think that makes sense. Limiting the scope to a specific topic of interest within the greater amount of operators, what they w might be looking at. So I've heard you, you, you're sampling. What I'm, I'm kind of interested in, I, I've dabbled in some of these analysis before, never got very far. But one of the things that's always a question is, is, so we've got this data source, this repository of all these data. How does that get populated? What data source is getting populated? How does the data get normalized? I'm sure you're not just doing SNMP queries and trying to put that back together. Right. You've got to be doing something more intelligent than that. Configuration parsing plus NetFlow. Yes. Yes. So we, we are doing a little bit more than SNMP indeed. So the thing I just mentioned about this configuration, inferring intent from the configuration, we indeed like uh, parse the configuration, right? We need to, um, because we need to do this getting the foreign state out of the configuration. So we need to figure out what is the configuration doing. For that, we use like existing tool that are out there that can parse the configuration. So thank God we didn't need to actually write the parser ourselves. We can just like leverage existing uh, technique there. 
And I hope that most of the network out there, they have like a repository of their configuration and that can then directly be fed in, right? Because it's easy, just like your .cfg, and then you just start to parse them. That's for that part of the project. For the other part of the project, you're right that what we do there is we use typically the kind of like output you would get from NetFlow. Essentially, what we use under the hood is like we assume that there is information about prefixes because just reason about let's say IP-based forwarding, so destination-based forwarding. So you have like prefixes, which is kind of like a primary key, if you want, in this database. And then we have a bunch of features that are attached to it. So this could be like the pass, the prefixes is being forwarded, or the directed graph, the traffic is forwarded to for that prefix, the routing information, the amount of uh, the volumes that you see on each router, which gets populated by, let's say, NetFlow, multiplied by the sampling rate. SNMP information possibly as well, etc. right? So uh, what is the, uh, if it is an, an internal prefix, where is that prefix originated? OSPF information. If it is an external prefix, BGP information. Possibly what is the extent of the routes of older BGP routes that you have received and that selected as best, that kind of thing. So we blend everything together if you want and throw that into this database that describes uh, each, like the data attached to each prefix. And then we can start to reason about that. And so you can abstract the problem actually quite easily, which I think enables this even is that you can think of for each prefix, you have a bunch of features and they describe it in the volume, the pass the routing information. And we kind of have, if you want, like way to aggregate these features together. We have aggregator for like feature volume. So that, for instance, if I choose to abstract two prefixes into one, my aggregator will sum the volume that each prefix sees individually. And then we have like this for like volume, for like aggregation of paths, etc. So we have like different ways to combine these stuff together. And that's essentially what we are doing. I hope it's a little bit clearer, but yeah, in a nutshell, it's a little bit of everything. I think the system actually works. The more data, the better. Of course, there is more work in parsing this from information, right? But for the system, the problem is not necessarily the amount of data. The, the problem is more like how to reason about it. But of course, engineering has to go there in order to enable that, right? So I'm not saying that uh, we can scale indefinitely. That is not true. Of course, there is a limit. But we didn't deploy this yet in a large network. So I hope people in the audience might be interested in doing this. So I don't have like production expertise about running this in an actual uh, production environment. It's a research paper. I hope it was clear from the beginning with, with Ivan's comment. It's research, but I do think it's practical research. Yeah. So if I come back to the discussion we had previously, where you said, well, if we would just random do things, then obviously we would not get anywhere. And like with any problem that explodes exponentially, you need really good heuristics and, if you wish, guided learning. So how easy is it to, you know, write those heuristics? Because obviously a lot of things have to be fine-tuned and handcrafted behind the scenes for this whole thing to work. Yeah, it's not necessarily easy. You're fully right that one needs to write this heuristic and they have to be crafted in order for the system to work well. These are not easily phrased. I mean, a lot of them deal with like um, leveraging graph-based property, for instance, like computing connected components in a graph. I mean, it's applying well-known algorithms, right? It's not like voodoo or anything, but it's not something that, let's say, that one can just write in like two lines and then, and then it's over. There is clearly a little bit of knowledge there that needs to go. 
The hope is, of course, that this does not have to be done by the user or the operator that rely on the system, that is kind of like in the back end, this is actually done for them. But yeah, you're right. It's not all of them are, are easy. That's the way it is for now, at least. I mean, one would hope that somewhere in the future, you can even learn this heuristic uh, somehow. But that is like, I think, very hard. But it's a very interesting research question. Don't get me wrong. But for now, I think, yeah, you still need us probably to make it work. If we step back to, let's say, the original challenge we were discussing, which was aggregating responses from a large amount of uh, collected data from some time series database, you had to effectively code all the possible answers, right? No, we don't. Ah, good. Yeah, yeah, no. The heuristic, we have to code them, yes, uh, but all the possible answers, we don't, right? So essentially what this summarization algorithm does is like it squeezes in this record together. And then once you get the squeezed records, what you do is that you run that into a templating engine that kind of like generate you English out. So that is fully automated. There is no human involvement, meaning that it can be like an infinite amount of like possible output depending on the content of the database. So that is not like humanly crafted. Of course, the template is defined by us. And that's also something that, as I said, would be, I think, nice in the future to also adapt, perhaps through interaction with the user. We, for instance, one thing that is easily doable is to show you two answers, left and right then ask you which is the one that you like the most. And then that will actually tell us, ah, actually you care perhaps more about load balancing rather than delay. Or you care more about traffic volume, or you care more about some destinations, some prefixes are more important to you than others. And that over time, we can make the system better because we can, if you want to increase a little bit the weight of these features and decrease the weight of the other features slightly. And then over time, trying to generate like better answers to you. So that's also something that we don't do right now, but I think could be integrated because the pipeline uses these weights anyway. It's just right now they are uniformly assigned to all the features, but it's likely the different person will have different preferences there. Uh, so you could do A-B testing on operators and figure out what they care about. Exactly, yes. I could learn the objective function of the operator using queries. Yes, that's a good way to see it. I think you're right, yes. Yeah. So assuming someone would want to test this in their network, what would the next step be? Yeah, well, the next step would be first to try to uh, to gather all this information together in one database, right, that we can query. Because really that's, that's an assumption we have is that we can query and get access to this snapshot somehow. I would say the first part of the job would be to do that. As I said, I would hope that many operators out there already have such a database that is available. I know some operators which clearly have, uh, so it's, it's not science fiction for them. For the others, I think that database is actually very useful to have, so I would, I would recommend anyway to, uh, to look at this. Once the data gets flowing inside this database, I think it's, it's almost there because the, really the only thing we need is the ability to connect ourselves to this database as a backend. Then you need a couple of servers for like, let's say, redundancy and like for like uh, running the system. 
and then you're good to go. So it's it's really lightweight system here because we play with the database really and uh, and summarize information from it. That's kind of what the system does. Okay, so assuming I know what I'm doing and I have some historical data, NetFlow, SFlow, whatever it is, very probably every operator would have this in a slightly different format. So there would have to be some adaptation, abstraction, whatever you want to call it, layer between the database and the tool. But could I just grab the tool somewhere on GitHub and install it and test it? Or is it more complex than that? That's a good point. I think we did not release that project. As far as I know, right? I think there is no problem for us to release that system so that people can directly test it as well. But unlike the other two projects where there was a GitHub link, this one is not there yet. What I would actually advise here is that if people are interested in testing it, the best thing right now is probably to contact us directly, and then we can actually set it up for them. And that, that would be my short answer. As I said, the project is fancy, and we are also like integrating this time-based aspect and this configuration learning aspect, this intent learning aspect. And so the idea is to build like something bigger and then release that rather than just this tiny piece. But anyway, if someone is really interested, they should get in touch with you so that you also get more data to play with, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, this is like, uh, it's always the same problem, right? We produce things. We hope they are, they are useful. If people actually think that way, it would be great if they can contact us. And for us, it would be very good because then we would have like more queries, more, more insight about usage, usages that people are interested in. And that could only make the project better. So uh, even from the research point of view. So by all means, if people are interested, they should, they should contact us. And to contact you, I can just go to vanbever.eu and there's probably some contact link there, right? Correct. Yes. You can go to uh, vanbever.eu. You can also go to uh, net2text.ethz.ch, right, for ETH Zurich. And there are contact information at the end of the, of the webpage. You can click on team and then you will, uh, you will have the email address of, of everybody. Again, as for the previous podcast, this is not only my work and we are like an entire team working here. And uh, actually one of my uh, PhD student, Rüdiger, is leading, um, I mean, this project and also the two others I mentioned uh, are all led by him. Of course, the credit goes to him in this case. Perfect. Thank you. Chris, any more last minute questions? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're both in the mind-blown territory. <laughs> it is a phenomenal idea. I love that you're limiting the scope on it. Uh, there's so much that I want to dig into as far as the data sources and, and how things have been labeled and normalization and where does all the stuff come into? Like, I'm just, I think we've barely scratched the surface on that. And I still really want to hear about your alternative to NetFlow. <laughs> ah, yes. I don't know if we have the time for this one. No, let's schedule another podcast for that one. All right. Yes. I have another website, even. You can read the blurb from uh, for the next podcast. I think it's also nice. I would love, actually, have, uh, having another podcast on that one and explain how we can beat NetFlow, which is not that hard. We can do it. And this has been done in collaboration with an operator. So this is also very practical and has been run on their data as well, So, which was not the case for Net2Text. As someone who's followed the SFlow versus NetFlow religious wars for years, I think you may have just started a battle. I'm up for it. It's okay. 
Okay, so let's wrap up with this teaser about the upcoming battle. Chris, where can people find you? So I can be found on Twitter at NetmanChris and uh, talking lately about air quality and its effect on offices and doing some, hopefully posting some stuff to my blog on analytics on some stuff that I've been doing lately. So lots of fun stuff. Blog is control issues with a K dot net. Perfect. Thank you. And I'm Ivan Pepelniak. You've been listening to Software Gone Wild. And if you like this podcast, just go to podcast.ipspace.net and start exploring. And as we discussed, we'll be back with a new round of NetFlow versus SFlow versus Smart Ideas battle. Thank you for listening to this episode of Software Gone Wild. If you want to learn more about software-defined networking, network automation, and related topics, visit sdn.ipspace.net and explore our courses, books, webinars, and podcasts.